Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible, and I'm super excited because we've got our good friend PJ joining us again. Hey, PJ. Hey, what's going on, Earth? Thanks for having me back. Hey, man. I I am super excited. we got good stuff to talk about today. Yes, we do. And as always, we've got my trusted and great co-host, Sarah, with us. Hi, Sarah. Hi, guys. I'm so excited. PJ is my new favorite guest. (laughs) (laughs) I I think he's all of our favorite (laughs) guests, right? So we God blessed us uh, to have PJ. So again, thank you for joining us. We're going to talk about um, loving our family through addiction. Loving our family through addiction, near and dear to all of our hearts. And Sarah, as we always do, let's anchor ourselves in the Word of God. We're coming to you today from John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this. To, di- to lay down one's life for one's friends. Mm. Mm. <laughs> wow, that, that is powerful. And that's a awesome calling for us to, God says, love the Lord God with all your heart, mm-hmm. soul, mind, and strength, mm-hmm. and then love others as yourself. A tremendous commandment. And PJ, I know we had you on last week and mm-hmm. we've got you back. And this mm-hmm. time we want to get a little bit into your testimony. Mm-hmm. So share with us about your family and the effects of addiction on it. Yeah. So my mother is French. So the French love to drink anyways. Yeah. Uh, and so when you have depression and you add that with a custom that you used to do growing up as a cultural thing, mm-hmm. then you could think it's okay for me to drink because that's what we do. Yeah. And so that led to a lot of poor decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom being pulled over by the officers and DWI. I didn't have that. Okay. And I'm in high school. Yeah. So to have your mom doing the stuff that a high schooler is supposed to be doing was yeah. quite a flip. Yeah. And I was so frustrated by it because I'm like, well, if I'm able to not do it, why are you doing it? So I couldn't get yeah. her thing about okay. it. And so I think you start off first being angry. Yeah, because you're just like you don't understand it. Mm -hmm. But then when you read this, you realize really quickly that that Jesus was willing to die Mm -hmm. to show that kind of love. Mm -hmm. So what was I willing to do for my mom, who obviously at this stage of the game is deceived and she believes this is how she should get through at least this moment in time in her history. Mm -hmm. So it took the anger away and made me say, what does she need, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. What does she need? And then say, Jesus, Jesus, what does she need? What mm-hmm. do I need to say as the son who finds himself in the position of being 14, trying to wow. counsel a 35-year-old right. who's drinking left and right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was the, the overall effect on you and then the relationship between you and your mother? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I hated alcohol mm-hmm. because of it. Uh, I wouldn't touch it. When people gave it to me yeah. in a party, I would do this thing, yeah. kind of fall that way out. <laughs> yeah. 
or I, you know, something like that. Because <laughs> yeah. I wanted to fit in still, and I wanted to be yeah. like you. Always have that, yeah. right? oh, and I saw that everybody seemed to like alcohol, but me, I had a thing against it, right? But you can see why. Yeah. And then with my mom, it's just the thing I learned was just you know when she was drinking, that was the meanest person on the face of the earth because yeah. she had no filter, and she would tell you some stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you, and she would dress you up and down, and you felt it. Yeah. And so the idea was later is like, okay. Um, this is something that she's doing, this torment that she has that I can't understand. That yeah. I don't know why or what the history of this is. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to be patient. I have to be kind or else I'm, I'm not doing what Jesus commanded. And yeah. to me, Jesus was everything. And when I, once I learned and got everything down about, and not everything, but the most part of it, yeah. I realized for me to be angry would be the worst thing I could do. So yeah. from that, it came to a place of slow your roll, mm. <laughs> breathe. Mm. So I always say breathe first yeah, yeah, so that you can slow down that amygdala hijack that wants you to go into action to do something. Yeah, want to fix something, right? Yeah, because people don't like to be fixed when they're broken because then they have mm -hmm. to admit that they're broken and they'll never do that. Yeah. So I learned don't try to come at it with the finger wag and some oh. higher ground or yeah. something like that. It is better to just say, hey, yeah. what's going on right now? Yeah, yeah. And just let, just listen. It sounds like um, there was a little bit of, you know, abuse and trauma, verbal abuse when drinking in those early years. How did that affect you later on and how did you overcome that? It was hard. Uh, I, originally, I couldn't take compliments from anyone because I thought there was something snide yeah. behind it because mm -hmm. that's how my mom would set it up yeah. when she was drinking. She'd yeah. say one thing and then she'd say, but who paid for that? You yeah. Know? So I can remember winning an award, a scholastic achievement. And my mom was like, well, who paid for your books? Uh, mm. Oh man! So on one hand, I was supposed to be happy bringing yeah. home this, and then that happened, and it happened on many other things, even sports things that I did. Mm. I'd bring home a trophy, and she'd say, "Yeah, well, who paid for your equipment?" Yeah, right. And yeah. so I guess the thing that I learned was is that, okay, what it taught me at that time was you're you're never good enough. Yep. Because mm -hmm. if it's coming from your mom, then look, I could never make her happy. I'm never good enough. If she's yeah. shooting down all these things I'm yeah. bringing home, right? Did that make you try harder or did that make you? It made me, yeah, it made okay. me overachieve, yep. but it made me resentful yeah. mm. because other kids would, parents would, yeah. would be at their games, yeah. cheering yeah. them on. My mom never went to any of the games that I was in. She went to one game, but then said it was boring and didn't want to go again. She'd rather go out drinking with her girlfriends, right? So I had to live it through other people loving on their kids, yeah. but I always had the resentment like, man, that should be my mom doing that. Yeah. Wow, and she's hard. Yeah. So we talk about patience in the process of love, <laughs> right? We want to forget. I always have to go back to that love is patient. Uh, and, yeah. and when you were talking about your mom, that was what I gathered that you were patient even at 14 years old. So talk about the role patience played. Well, yeah, wasn't always patient. It just, I was in shock most of the time. I didn't know mm -hmm. what to do because this is your mom. This is not some dude off the street who right. might say, put up your dukes, right? Yeah, yeah. This is your mom yeah. saying that to you. So you, you're, you're, so for me, it was shock mm -hmm. more than it was patience. Like, I can't believe this woman saying this after, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but that built that resentment inside because I, I wanted to be loved mm -hmm. and I wanted to be heard. Yeah. And so patience mm -hmm. then said, well, if you want to be patient, yeah, I need to put you in places where you need to be patient. Yeah. So it seemed like I was always being put in. If there was ever a timeout, I was put in patience timeout. Yeah. I had to sit here and go, okay, how do I, as a 15 year old, understand this psychologically, emotionally, better than this woman who's older than me who had me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And this is before a theological frame. 
Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. when I'm 14. Well, and we talk about God's love on this show, and it, it sounds like your mom didn't have, um, she didn't think she could probably, God didn't love her at that time, so, you know, she drank more, so she didn't have Christ in her life. And you said that you didn't find Christ until you were in your 30s. And so what did what did it look like from, like, 14 to 35? Um, yeah, pretty, pretty hard to get to know. Uh, yeah. I was a person who felt like everybody could see all of my iniquities on me. Yeah. So I kind of stayed to myself, and then once... I picked up a guitar and started playing music. Music ended up being that outlet. So I wrote these songs and I wrote through, cause I needed to get all this stuff out. Yeah. Uh, it showed up as in, you know, showing up and trying to beat people at things because I needed to establish some sort of superiority in the sense that I needed to make my self esteem feel like I was better. Mm -hmm. So I would challenge people to different things and, and sometimes beat them. And yeah. so it was that. Um, it was not understanding what does it mean to be a man because my dad um, disappeared and was gone. And yeah. later on, I found out he was a, he was an alcoholic and a drug addict. So that okay. was always fun. So I was always struggling with identity. Like, mm, what does yeah. this mean? And then, of course, at that time, it's like, mm -hmm. God, if you were if you were alive, God, then what did I do to deserve this that's happening to me right now? Yeah, yeah. that's what I used to say. That's why I was agnostic wow. yeah. in yeah. college. Okay. And okay. I used to debate Christians in the square. <laughs> Because I was just like, no, I'm gonna, this has to come out some kind of way, and I'm angry, so here yeah. it comes. Yeah. Uh, and I bet you, knowing you the way I do, I bet he was a really good debater. Trust me, we spent a lot of time talking. And you and I, all three of us, have experienced yeah, this absolutely. now. Work with me. Mm -hmm. Bitterness, resentment. How did you deal with that? Because that that, that has to come out. That's a remedy yeah. to getting better. It was. Well, so it's music. Uh, mm -hmm. It was music was one way to get it out. We were in dancing was really big. And at that time, you mm -hmm. remember Beat Street? Yeah. All yeah, that breaking yeah, stuff. So yeah. we were in a crew <laughs> that was actually going up against other crews yeah. dancing. It was East Side versus West Side Fort Worth. Just like, you know, whatever. What? So we did that kind of I stuff. I cannot imagine this. Eventually, I, it would lead into fights. And eventually, it was <laughs> who was the smoothest guy who could get all the girls. That, so that's that's how, it. That's <laughs> how it girls always at the center of And if it wasn't for things. my mom being an alcoholic, it would have. I probably would have gotten in that vice too. Too, but I yeah. wouldn't drink because I hated how she was when she was drunk. So when that's she... what kept me from alcohol. Mm -hmm. So and did she ever get help? Have, is she sober or is she still out there? Or... She did. She she got help and she. I give my stepdad and her uh, a lot of props because they were okay. able to just quit without medicine or anything mm -hmm. else. They just said, okay, our life is in shambles. We've got to cut this mess out. Mm -hmm. And so they did. And then 15 years into it, they started to drink again because of celebratory things and going back to France. Yeah. Because when she saw her family, they're drinking, so she got to have it. So that's how she got back in it. And then to this very day, she just quit two months ago. Okay. Because she didn't like the way she was feeling anymore yeah. with it. Okay. So that was that was good. So, PJ, where, where are you? Because you have it on both sides, right? Yeah. Um, for me, it was on my mom's side, not necessarily on my dad's side. Where are you with the consumption of alcohol? So today I see it as just something that I will have a drink mm -hmm. with some people, but I know my limit is I probably only want one drink. I don't crave yeah. a lot of it, Okay. but I'll have one drink. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I switch to mm -hmm. water noticeably. Mm -hmm. And then I almost, cause I want people to ask, Hey, so why aren't you having another man? It's yeah. free beer tonight. Load up, load up. Yeah. And I just say, well, you know, I can't cause of the struggle that I've had with it. And then as soon as I start saying that, they start thinking, Oh, 
That's the wrong guy, Buzzkill. Yeah. Or they start uh, thinking, sir, we don't you know what, right? maybe I do need to slow down. Because if PJ's not doing that, then maybe, yeah. you know. It, it, it either convicts them or which will draw them closer to you because yep. they start asking the question, question. well, how many mm-hmm. drinks make you alcohol? Mm-hmm. Or you're the buzz kill. Yeah. There's really, mm-hmm. have you noticed, there's really yeah. no yeah. in-between. Yeah, Those pretty are the extreme. two reactions. It's not necessarily, well, it's the buzz kill, but it's because they start questioning their own drinking, like, mm, yeah. maybe I'm drinking yeah. too much. Maybe I have a problem. Maybe, yeah. you know, it, they start asking those questions to mm-hmm. you. And so, yeah, it is a buzz kill totally. But still, I think... What we talked about earlier is it opens the doors to conversation. And yeah. when we make this um, kind of more of a conversation and education mm-hmm. piece, then people can learn from it. And then we have community, mm-hmm. which is what God wants us to do anyway. So it doesn't yeah. matter whether they're actively drinking or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always turn it back to when that happens. What It's a question of what do you love more? Yeah. Do I love the alcohol more? Which then if I drink too much, then I have a problem. And then I get in my car and I could be one of those people that gets into an accident or am I someone who loves knowing that by not doing that I can live a fuller life and make better decisions more often than not and you in order to make sober-minded decisions you need to be sober you probably need to be sober (laughs) I, I was talking to my wife and I said you know for years I made an idol out of certain things and one of those things that I made an idol out of was drinking. Vodka was my God. And mm-hmm. I say that, and I, I'm sad that I have to say that, but I had sure. to get to a point yeah. when we talk about getting rid of bitterness and resentment that I had to realize like, man, I was serving that vodka bottle. That's yeah. what I thought about. Yep. That's what I obsessed about. That's all I wanted when I got up. That's an idol. And talk mm-hmm. a little bit about how we take things mm-hmm. and we use people, places, things, and then all of a sudden they become these idols and like our God. Yeah, yeah. So there's this thing about being enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard it expressed to men. It's always a, well, man up, you know, yeah. cowboy up. You, yeah. Know? Yeah. you know, with women, you say, well, you're not beautiful enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not picturesque enough. You're not, you're not, right? And it's always about enough. Yeah. Yeah. And yet God is saying, look, you're built in my image. Yes. That's enough. That's enough. So if you understood me, if you learned me, if you understood mm-hmm. my ways, you would want these ways over those. But mm-hmm. I'm going to have to show you over and over again by allowing you to go and wallow in the things so that you can see that those things actually give you rock bottom results <laughs> where God gives you stratospheric highs when you actually learn who he is, how he forgives you in the scripture that we read up top yeah. about Jesus saying, I'm willing to die for you guys. Yeah. Us drunken, angry, mad, frustrated it's gonna sin next week. Just yeah. let something else happen to us, and we'll go right back oh, into that man. bottle, right back into that anger, right back into that whatever. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus says, "Yeah, it's those people I want to die for." Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, when we talk to our audience and our listeners yeah. who have an al- alcoholic or drug addicted parents, and especially if you're a young child. Give them, give them some tips on how to how to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. So the first step again, you're gonna love this. First step is breathe because yep. you, yeah. you've got too much that you're building up that you're gonna bring in there, and if you bring all of that with you, yeah. you will be a forest fire yeah. instead of a campfire. Yeah, right. And a forest fire blazes everything down. A campfire, Burns people out. get around yeah. and they tell stories around it. You want to be a campfire, not a forest mm-hmm. fire. So breathe first. The second thing is is understand that that's another human being mm-hmm. having another experience that you've had yourself, maybe it's just not alcohol. Yeah. You struggle with something else. So how can I mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. be angry at somebody for their mistake mm-hmm. when I'm making mistakes too. Mm-hmm. It's like getting mad at someone that's alcohol addicted is like getting mad at a two-year-old because they can't understand English the way you do. Yeah, it's ridiculous good. to do that. So, so step back, breathe, recognize. Mm-hmm. I'm a sinner, and I'm talking to another sinner. So, mm-hmm. therefore, I can't play any trump card on you. Yeah, I can't trump you at all, right? Mm-hmm. So that means I should be like this with you rather than like this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Notice judgmental people always see themselves up here, yeah. reaching right. down to help you out. But yeah. really, it's not. Maybe mm-hmm. it ain't sin. Maybe it isn't alcohol. Mm-hmm. But it's something else for me. So let mm-hmm. me just look at the sinner like I'm looking at myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we can love people like the way jesus loves us yeah that's that's how it works so mm-hmm. the more i know how i'm loved by jesus the more i can love someone else okay because it's going to take that for me to understand how i can reach them yeah and by the way everybody wants to reach that person who's struggling because they see them going down and they wish they could jump in and they wish they could help them yeah. and they wish they could do all these things mm-hmm. but the other part of it is is don't play god's role yeah. yeah. Let Ooh, God be God. Yes. Which doesn't mean you step back and go, all right, God, get him. Get him. Yeah. It just means that, all right, God, help me mm-hmm. right now be your hands and feet here. Mm-hmm. Yes. You do what you're going to do, Lord. Yeah. I am here just as an instrument. Yeah. Whenever you're ready to pick me up and use me, I'm ready. And if I'm not ready, make me ready. Mm, that That's good. When, when I was in my active addiction and what I realized was love was really information to me. I'm just, now I'm being honest here. I, love I, I do love you, honey. Um, but it was information. Yeah. I didn't really know how to show that, give that, and receive that. Mm-hmm. And what the Lord said to me was, humble yourself. And when I embraced humility, mm-hmm. it was quite amazing that I started to, like feel love Mm -hmm. from people who said they love me. I started to feel it, receive Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And then I started to love myself because that was missing. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to then start to to love other people more than just saying, hey, brother, I love you. But through my actions, spending time, because Mm -hmm. I think I was more of a person who said, hey, hey, PJ, Sarah, I love you. But if you needed me or something, I, I probably wasn't always the best friend, especially when I was in my active addiction. Yeah, yeah. that humility is the biggest piece, right? Because we talk about humility and people un- think that they know what that means. But, you know, your ego getting in the God's way is mm. half the problem. You mm-hmm. know, it's when you submit and when you let go and when you get out of his way that he's able to move. Mm-hmm. And before, I mean, that was my experience when I was running the show and, uh, you know, trying to control everything, especially parents out there that have a loved one, you know, you try to control the situations, you call in for work for them, you do all the things for them, they're not going to get sober, Mm -mm. you know, you got to get out of God's way and let him move. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's my experience through that is when you do that, then he starts to show himself, then Mm -hmm. he starts to give you some tools. And then that person kind of little by little gets the help that they need. Yeah. PJ, talk about uh, this idea of rest, like resting in the Lord, because I think (laughs) there's a lot of questions around that. There is. You know, when you think about rest, today we're really challenged because, you know, this cell phone is alerted. It's going to go off every five minutes. (laughs) The psychology behind social media is to get you to spend time on it because that's how they attract advertisers to advertise Mm -hmm. on it because they can show them the proof of eyeballs. Yeah. So we don't rest 
because we're our eyes kind of like still watching the phone and then still trying to relax on the yeah. beach or whatever. Yeah. So rest actually is something that's part of the word restorative. When you rest, you're actually restoring. And yeah. that's what your body's supposed to be doing at night when you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's why you notice that the people that get the worst amount of sleep at night mm -hmm. are the ones that the next day when they wake up are always waking up with anxious anxiousness yeah. yes yeah. because their body is still going we didn't get the seven hours that we needed seven eight hours we only got three hours because you're still worried about that one thing that happened at one time with that one person yep. that you're still upset with even though they may not be here anymore yeah right yeah so true rest is the thing that challenges so much today because we we don't rest yeah and rest means that you just need to be able to to shut everything down rest can be fishing mm-hmm you're still doing an activity, but you're resting because it's not requiring a lot out of you. Yeah. Right. Rest could be just taking some books, mm -hmm. going outside to a nice park, mm -hmm. you know, and sitting down underneath the shade and just reading. Mm -hmm. So rest doesn't look like completely just always laying down. It also means things that you do that wind you down. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when you're at rest, that's when you're still. And when you're still, that's when you can know who God is. Right. Yeah. When you're still. Yeah. But otherwise, today I would say one of our one of the most nefarious things that the enemy is doing is he's trying to keep us busy. Yep. Cool. Yep. Right? Yeah, the yep. Because if you stay busy, busy, when will you stop and to your husband's kids? When will you stop and read? When will you get joy out of reading stuff? Yep. If you just see it as in got it, mm -hmm. got it, got that off the list, got this off the list, and then you think success is defined by how many things you do in a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When really it should be defined by how many parts of the day where you had moments to rest. Yeah, yeah, I still struggle with that. Sometimes, you know, I think I feel guilty for just doing nothing and watching right. a movie or yes. you know, spending time not working or, you know, and, it, and that's the enemy talking. And I have to remember that. And I know that today, but mm -hmm. I didn't used to know that. I used to yeah. just think, oh, I need to be doing something at yeah. all times because that's how to be productive. That's how you make money. That's how you yes. become successful. Um, mm -hmm. All those external factors that we search for in this world. And it wasn't until um, I got sober and started reading the word that I found comfort yes, in yeah. the stories of the Bible and, and doing those things. And then little by little, um, you know, the enemy couldn't, couldn't distract me anymore. Well, and even, the Lord poured into me more. See, and see, even this phone needs to be recharged. Yeah. It even does. it needs to be set on a base yeah. for a while mm -hmm. so that it takes the time it needs to regenerate that battery so it comes ready to go. Yet yeah. we think we need to live our lives always on. But yeah, even the phone always recharges. In yeah. a part of loving someone in, a, in addiction, the reason I brought up rest was for me, it's so important. I kind of noticed the trend when my wife and I would get into it or when I would get into it with others and it was difficult to love people. And I, I traced it back to anytime I was hungry, mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I was upset. I was lonely Sleep or I was tired. Yep. I'm like, and I noticed I was, I would fall back into the behaviors that I had when I was addicted. Yeah. Yep. My wife's like, you're not drinking, but you acting like yeah. the old dude, right? Yeah. Rest and irritable and discontent. Yeah. All of that. So I have to be very cognizant of, you know, where am I drinking enough water? To your point, am I resting? Mm -hmm. Am I upset about something? Do I need to deal with that? Mm -hmm. uh, am I hungry? Mm -hmm. Did I eat? Because to your point, we get to running, running, running. And you go, oh, I haven't had anything to eat. And I noticed that I get a little snappy. Mm -hmm. when I haven't had. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that it goes back to being able to love our family when they're in addiction is making sure that we take care of ourselves, yeah. right? Yeah. And we forget 
that in the equation because we're so concerned. And Sarah, you know this, anyone that has been through addiction, part of that is we like to control stuff, right? We, we think we got our own little world and I can control and I can fix people. Mm-hmm. And in truth, having the ability to do what I can do, Right. But then trust God to do his part. Right. And then allow God to do his work. And sometimes I'm dealing with family members now who are in their active addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's like watching myself mm-hmm. on repeat and it's painful. And I want to, and then I have to say, no, 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 you got to let them go through the process and mm-hmm. let God do his work, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that we forget that the family member is just as addicted as the person that's addicted. Yeah. They're just addicted to the person they're trying to fix and control. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that we that you guys don't understand. And you need to get help for that too, because you need to learn boundaries. Mm-hmm. There are boundaries that you have to put in place for yourself so that you can be happy, healthy, and whole to help that person. When you're up in the chaos, they're going to just feed into that and you're going to feed into that and it's going to create more chaos. It's true. The idea of caretaking for someone who is uh, addicted, which we could probably say not in the right mind most of the time because their mind is in a struggle with the alcoholism. (laughs) So the idea here is that when you're a caretaker, you don't want to get to a place where you're feeling apathetic now. Yeah. Because you're like, well, if it wasn't for them, I could go out and live my life and be happy. But this person of the family is doing this. And so now I have to be the good Christian and try to force myself to be okay with this, even though, why don't they just stop drinking, right? So you have to be careful that you don't become apathetic in your caretaking. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you don't want to be too enabling either to where Mm -hmm. you're acting as if, oh, well, is that, are you okay? Are you okay? And they're like, look, I'm not fragile. Yeah, yeah, make bad decisions, but don't. Right. So there's this wisdom of the boundaries that you need to have so that you don't become apathetic and you don't become almost an enabler yeah and then that you don't lose your identity yes as a caretaker to someone who's this because you think that's what your only life is when it's like no you have something separate a life that god's asking you to do alongside of caretaking in this particular season of life and that happens a lot a lot of times um the individual goes to treatment and gets sober and then the caretaker loses their identity and they become restless irritable and discontent (laughs) it's this crazy cycle um so they need help too al-anon is a great um Mm -hmm. place for them to go get help for that the church is a great place there there's lots of resources out there but it's very important to know the resources Uh, talk a little bit about sometimes in the midst of our, our trials, our addictions, and our problems, I get this question a lot. <laughs> Where's God? Well, you keep telling me you serve this good Jesus and this good God. Where is God in the midst of trials and tribulations? Yeah, so it's a good question because, again, it was one that I asked a lot. And yeah. when someone's asking, where's God? It's almost like they're saying, I don't see him. So it's all about a visual cues when yeah. really it's it's not that you, you should be looking for visual cues. Yeah. When you ask, where's God? You should be asking, where where are the, the heart strings being pulled at at the moment? Mm-hmm. Right. Because the heart is deceptive. Who can know it? Mm-hmm. So if Jesus cares and he does because mm-hmm. he made the greatest sacrifice ever. Yeah. Then it's probably not Jesus who's moved. Mm-hmm. It's probably us that has moved. Yeah. So then we have to be fair and honest and say, mm-hmm. listen, since Jesus is not the center, I am. Where have I moved? Yeah. And what's blocking me from seeing and hearing the things that I need to see and hear? Mm-hmm. If we can ask ourselves that honestly, what you'll find is, is it's like, 
okay, I'm God's showing me stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm choosing to ignore it. So it's always that joke about the person that's hanging off the cliff and the helicopter comes <laughs> yeah. and people in the boat come and everybody and he says, No, no, God's got it, God's got it. And yeah. then those people leave. Yeah. And he's like, God, where? And he goes, God, well, I'll send you a plane, I'll send you a boat, right? Yeah. yeah. It's that same thing. So it's it's about what is your what is your attunement? Like? Yeah. What are you tuned into? Yeah. Are you more in tuned into your circumstances and your pain? Mm-hmm. Are you in tuned into the elixir or the solution or the fix, which is Jesus? Yeah. And then if you know anything about Jesus, most of the times we don't just see Jesus going snap. All right, boom, your cancer is gone. This is gone. No. Usually there is a trial. There's this period of time. Yeah. That without it, you wouldn't appreciate it. Yep. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, right? With no waiting. <laughs> yes. So think about yes. the Garden of Eden. I'll say it real fast. Think about okay. the Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden, yep. right? Yep. Right? Yeah. Didn't earn it. Mm-hmm. Just given the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Well, they were given everything. Yep. And that still didn't stop them from sinning. Yeah. So Jesus answering you immediately or right on time. Yeah. I think I'd rather him answer me right on time yeah. immediately because even when God gave them everything, they still found <laughs> they a way still, yeah. to not trust God fully yeah. and believe a serpent that just decided to talk to them that day. Yeah. 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 Well, as we, we, we've got a few minutes and I want each one of you to give, talk to our audience out there, give them some closing thoughts on loving your family in the midst of addiction. Yeah, just real fast, I'll just say it. I've been saying it for a while. Breathe, stop, slow down, breathe. It's probably not as severe as you think it is. And if mm-hmm. it is severe as you think it is, you're going to need to be calm mm-hmm. to handle it. So I would say breathe. And then after that breathing, then, you know, appeal. You have to appeal to God because God built them and he built you and he knows exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So make the appeal to God at that moment. God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to support this person. Yeah. You do. Just give me the words. Give me what I need. And mm-hmm. then wait like you're expecting God to show you because funny things happen. when You yeah. wait and you let him show you. Mm-hmm. I would just say um, not to be silenced and to talk to other people about it because I think a lot of times we want to keep these things within ourselves or within our family and we don't reach out for help. We don't talk to other people. We -hmm. want people to see our our image as this perfect family and um, all the things that we've done and we have Mm -hmm. when we're having chaos internally. Um, And I think that that's, that's, it's hurtful to the family. It's hurtful to you. It's hurtful to the person that's trying to get sober. Um, the more you ignore the thing, the worse it's going to get. And so I just think it's really important for people to talk about what's going on to get help. Mm-hmm. My wife is an, an accountant by trade, introverted, not real loud with her faith. But I was thinking, what did my wife model for me during my active addiction. And what she modeled was, the Bible says, love is kind. My wife was amazingly kind, not in words mm. all the time, mm. but in her actions and her dealings with me. The The other thing, the Bible says, love keeps no record. Yeah. Love keeps yeah. no, yeah. people won't gloss over that. Mm-hmm. Don't want to, I said it to well, my wife modeled that for me yeah. because I, I was like, oh man, I don't know. So she modeled that. And then the last thing we talked about it earlier is love is patient. Man, she was patient through all that stuff. Mm. So those are the things that I would leave you with today. If you're dealing with someone who's in their active addiction that is in your family, love is patient. 
love is kind mm -hmm. and love keeps no records. May God that. richly bless you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.